Amen. Hey, I'm Pastor John, if you're a first-time guest, and uh, I am the senior pastor, not of this church. Mark is the, the pastor here, but I'm the senior pastor of the Keystone Churches. And so for those who come here regularly, I haven't been here in a little while. I've been over in Jersey a lot, helping Matt preach, and been up at our North uh, Church, and uh, it's going well moving forward. So it's a delight to be here. Uh, good to see you guys. I was about 10 or 11 years old. And uh, I'm trying to give you a context, because most of you, you grew up in the city here, uh, metro area, and it's so different from where I grew up. I grew up in a little town of about 60,000, but I lived about 15 miles south of that town. And uh, there wasn't like little villages in between. I mean, it was a, a highway, got on the yellow bus after school and rode home, and I had chores to do. My mom, you know, worked, my dad worked, and... We all had chores, and because I was the oldest brother, I was kind of the boss, you know. That's where I got the bossiness, and I know some of you are laughing. I oh, know, you know where you got that. And, uh, but I remember one time, it was, in, it was late September, uh, and uh, I think I was in the sixth grade, and it was raining that day, and one of the things we'd always do, we'd play football, tackle football, and it was, it was muddy, and I thought, okay, we'll go play tackle football. And so I went and put my books uh, at the house, we all met about 10 minutes later in a muddy field, and I didn't change clothes. And I had brand new jeans on, Sears and Roebuck. Some of you guys go, ah, oh, Sears and Roebuck. Back then, they were cool, all right? And, and uh, way, way back. And I had brand new jeans on, and I had a brand new pair of sneakers on. And uh, so we got to playing, and uh, as you know, you're extremely muddy, so I come back and thinking, okay, I've got to do something with these clothes. I've got to do my chores before my mom. And uh, normally, many times, I would cook dinner. Yep, I, I know you can't hardly believe that as a 12-year-old, 10, 11-year-old. But my clothes were muddy, and we didn't have a washer and dryer at our house. I mean, it wasn't just because it was a long time ago. We just, it was just, we just didn't have a washer and dryer, okay? You know what I mean? We, we'd go to the laundromat on Sundays. Uh, but... I thought, what am I going to do? How am I going to get these things washed and clean and dried before my mom gets here? So I put them in the sink, I wash them, and I'm thinking, okay, well, there's a stove over here. Oh yeah, you already, you already know. So I thought, I'm going to put them in the stove. So I get over to the stove, I'm a little confused because I'm going, there's two racks. I'll put my sneakers on the top of the racks. I'll put my jeans on the bottom here. And then I got a little more confused. I'm going, okay, do I put them on bake or broil? Now, I knew the difference. I mean, I knew broil's top and the bacon's the bottom. I knew that, but I'm thinking, I wonder which way it would be best. So I, I turned it on broil. I don't think it would have mattered anyway. <laughs> so, so I put these things on broil, and now I go to back to my bedroom. I'm making my bed. I'm cleaning. I'm doing the chores, and I begin to smell something. It smells like rubber burning. <laughs> so I ran into the kitchen, and I, I opened the oven, and, and my sneakers were kind of dripping with, you know, onto my jeans, and my jeans were already turning black. They weren't on fire, but they were kind of charcoal for some reason. I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And I knew there's no salvation of these jeans, okay? There's no way I'm going to save these things. So what am I going to do? i got to hide them. Now, we lived where our house was. We had about a 25, 30-acre pond that would go almost like an island. So I thought, you know what? I'll fill these pants up with, with rocks, and I'll throw them in the pond. <laughs> and I did. I went out there, and I threw them in the pond, and, you know, watched them, you know, sink. But here's the point I want you to get. I hid them, but every day my mom and dad would come home, I had this fear. No joke, Joe, Joe. I had this fear. What if they come to the surface? 
And my mom, you know, she comes, because the bridge is like right here to our house. What if those jeans float to the top? Now, my mom, I, I don't know how I fooled her on this. I don't know why she didn't ask. I, I was able to wear the sneakers, okay? Uh, I didn't get real close to her, though. I, I'm going, I don't want her to see them. Uh, but the jeans, it was years and years later that I finally told her the truth. I got tired of hiding that story. Now, the reason why I share that is this. If you've got your hand, well, I guess you don't have a handout, but uh, you can go online or the app, however we're doing it nowadays. We're going to be talking about hiding behind locked doors. I think, do we have it up here? No? Uh, yep, right here. Hiding behind locked doors. Now, I wouldn't lock doors, but I, you know, it's, it's just not fun to hide from someone. I mean, maybe you've been at a store, and you're in a hurry, and there's someone you see about an aisle over, and you're going, oh, no, if I run into them, it ain't going to be a two-minute conversation. You know, and so what do you do? You go, go buy something on another aisle that you don't even need. Try to avoid them, right? It, this is, my point here is this. Hiding most of the time is not a good thing. Matter of fact, maybe all the time. But we're going to take a look at some guys. Now, you're going to have to hang with me because some of you are going to go, aren't we going to be talking about Christmas? Because we're going to jump in at the very end of Jesus' life. But we're going to come back. Christmas is going to fit in here. Trust me, all right? So here's the point. I know some of you are going, I don't, we don't know about that. So here's the issue. Jesus has spent three, almost three and a half years with probably 50 to 100, 120 people, but, but he had 12 that he had called his disciples. Then they became his apostles. These guys were the whole key to getting the gospel to us here in America, to Asia, uh, North America. It was, there was plan A, and that's it. If they didn't get it right, we're in trouble. The God, when Jesus dies, that the gospel will not move forward. So Jesus spends all this time, he teaches them, you know, you're the salt of the earth, you're, you know, you're the light of the world, and, and on and on and on, and you're going to be fishers of men, and, and he's, he's, he's presenting the gospel, what the kingdom is, and on and on and on. And so Jesus dies on that Friday. I told you it sounds like Easter, but uh, I'm, it's, Christmas is here. But then on Sunday, which he said that he'd rise three days later. Now, the guys didn't quite compute. They, they didn't understand this concept. What do you mean? They, and, and they were kind of in denial. But early, early that morning when it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, she runs to the grave and, and she looks into the, to the tomb area there. It's basically a cave in the side of a hill mountain there. And uh, she doesn't see Jesus. And so what does she do? She runs back and tells Peter and John. And what happens is John, because he's faster than Peter, I don't know why he wanted everybody to know that, but he was faster than Peter. He, he runs and he gets there and he looks into it and he, he sees the, the cloth, but he doesn't see Jesus. And, and then Peter goes, I'll go in. So he goes in and, and, and then they run back. You know, they're like, wait a minute, where's he at? Did someone steal him? And they go back to their house wherever they're at. And Mary Magdalene and the women, they go back, you know, Mary goes back for the second time and and Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. So think about this. Mary Magdalene was the very first person to see the resurrected Jesus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But she goes back and tells the guys, and they don't believe. Isn't that amazing? We got these guys that are supposed to be, I mean, the champions of, of the faith, and, and, and they're not believing. And then we know that there's two that are on the road to Emmaus, which is about seven, eight miles west of Jerusalem, and Jesus appears with them and walks with them and eventually eats with them and, and, and he shows who he is. And they go, oh, wow, this is crazy, and he disappears. And then they go back and tell their son. They don't believe them either. Then we know, according to 1 Corinthians 15, and then I can't remember the Luke passage, 
that somewhere that afternoon, Jesus appears to Peter. So my point here is, we're, this is all the first day. The setting is very, very important. And, and then all of a sudden, the evening comes. And they are in a house with locked doors with fear and anxiety. Now you're thinking, if you'd have been, you know, with a camera and filming this crew and going, hey, this is the crew that's going to turn the world upside down. <laughs> you're hiding. You're in fear. You're in anxiety. Guys, something's got to change because the gospel's not going to get very far with you hiding in this room. And so what I want you to see here is this. The first thing is this, they're a locked door of fear and anxiety. A locked door of fear and anxiety. Now, I lock my doors, okay? I don't know that I lock them out of fear. I lock them because my wife wants them locked, but we lock them. That's another story, <laughs> you know. But they're, they're, they are locking them doors out of fear. Look what it says in John chapter 20. Because this, this is really where this, the story picks up. John chapter 20, we're going to read verse 19a and b. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, Sunday, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, you go, oh, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, let's finish the sentence here. It says, where the disciples were for fear of what? The Jews. They, they were in fear. I want you to grasp that. They're not just hiding, to, you know, whatever. They're hiding because they're in fear of the Jews. You know, they just saw their Messiah, the one that they gave their life to, they've been following for three and a half years. He's dead. He's crucified. They don't even know where, you know, they were still trying to figure out. We didn't know where he was at. We've seen him alive now, but we, this doesn't make sense. And we're hiding. I don't know about you, but if I had seen Jesus and and some of my close friends that were other disciples saw Jesus and came back and told me, we saw Jesus, and here's what he said, and here's what he did. I pray I wouldn't be in fear. They say I wouldn't. I, I don't know. But it says here, they were locked door of fear and anxiety. The reason why we're sharing this is because there are many right now, matter of fact, there may be some in this room that right now you're, you are hiding behind a locked door of fear and anxiety. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening. And we as Americans, every time something goes bad, we think that we're going to pull it off, and, and, and it usually gets pulled off, but I don't think it's, it's a we, but it's a God with the we. You know, we've been through a storm for the last couple of years and, uh, as, as a nation, as a world, and, and I know this, more storms are coming. John, why didn't you preach at another campus? Every time you come, you always tell us this kind of stuff. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling you what the scripture says. And I'm telling you what I know God has said. And I don't know when all this is going to happen, but I do know this. All of us individually have different storms, do we not? They may be a little storm, but we have storms. We have things that try to stress us out. Anxieties try to come our way. But here's what I want you to understand about fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety is an unnecessary, I think we've got that on the screen there, it's an unnecessary weight that leads towards confusion and depression. Okay, now I, I, I wrote that very specifically for a reason. I'm going to say it again. Fear and anxiety is an unnecessary weight. So some of you came in with this unnecessary weight, you, you, you're carrying it right now. Some of you have been carrying it for weeks and months, maybe for years. That leads, I didn't say it has to get out of 10, but it's always going to lead towards confusion and desperation. If you, if you stay with it, if it stays in your life. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 12, 
verse 25. Proverbs 12, verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart or a woman's heart weighs him down. This is thousands of years ago when, when Solomon penned this. He says, will weigh him down, but a good word makes him glad. I'm here to bring you a good word. Some of you came in here this morning, you're a little weighed down. It may not be extreme, but, you, you know, the world puts weight upon us. What we have to do is determine what are we going to do with it. And if we don't carry it the right way, anxiety, fear, then eventually depression and confusion sets in. But, hey, here we go. Let's get to the Christmas. Jesus can replace our fear and anxiety with his peace. Mark's been talking about peace for the last couple of weeks. You, know, you can have peace in the valley. You can have peace you know, on the mountaintop. The valley, the mountaintop, the desert, that is not what determines whether you're going to have peace or not. That's happiness. But peace can come no matter where you're at. So let's finish verse 19. C. This is what it says here. So on the, I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole thing again. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And said to them, this is the key right here, peace be with you. Now we know and we've been taught this and I think we've got the first part of shalom, peace down. But I think we've minimized it. And if you've been coming here for a few years, you've heard me talk on this. So this is not even new. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's not coming in and going, peace guys, peace. Shalom. This is is bigger than a greeting. Do we understand? It's bigger than a greeting. Now, I'm sure I would have been startled. I mean, I would go, Jesus, give us a warning when you're going to do this stuff. (laughs) When you're just going to show up out of nowhere. I mean, the doors are locked. He didn't knock at the door. He He just appears. I don't know about you, but that would probably startle me for a moment or two. Whoa, what was that? But this is not the fear that they're talking about here. It's, it's, he's talking about the fear of the Jews. Now, we live in a world that we eventually need to come to have peace with ourselves. That's a totally different message. And I will say this, the world is attacking that, and the world is attacking it among our children. It's our children and youth that have to understand, hey, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is how God made me, blah, 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 all that other stuff. And we have to have peace with ourselves. Now, I'm 65 years of age. I still, from time to time, will have to wrestle with peace with self. You know, I want to be in denial. I'm going, ah, my hair's getting a little thinner. It's getting, you know, my boys always remind, Dad, your hair's getting a little more grayer. You know, da, 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 da. Well, you know what? I don't like all that, but it is what it is, right? I mean, I'm not going to live in anxiety. Those are just small things. I won't go into the deeper things that I really wrestle with, but, but peace with self. But, you know, and then the Bible talks about peace with making decisions. Have you ever made a decision and you didn't have a peace about it, but you went ahead and did it anyway, and you go, uh-oh, I messed up. Now, sometimes, you know, you, it, it's, you get correct, but usually if you're walking with the Lord and you don't have peace about the decision, that lack of peace is a warning. It's a messenger saying, uh, wrong, wrong choice, wrong choice, wrong choice here. And how many of us have made the wrong choice and we didn't have peace? We've we've all done that, right? We need to learn that. But that's that's not what we're talking about here. 
We're talking about something that's much, much greater. And so Christmas, when we think about this, Jesus comes to bring peace to the world. Not the kind of peace that the world can offer. Because the kind of peace that the world can offer is not true peace. If it was, we'd already been there. So let me share a couple of things about peace. Peace, here's the definition. This is not new. I've shared this before. And if you've been to our Freedom Weekends or, or those you've heard this, peace is the destruction. Let me just read it. Peace is the destruction of the anarchy of fear and anxiety. Now, you can put anything else, anger, unforgiveness. You, you can put whatever else. You can fill in the blank. What I want you to get is peace is the destruction. It destroys. It's not, hey, peace. It's just not a greeting. It's more than that. Matter of fact, when, remember when Jesus was in the boat and, the, and he was asleep and the disciples woke him up and, and, and there's this, what does he say to the storm? He, said, he says peace to the storm. He says stillness to the storm. He didn't say, yo, storm, greetings. That's, that's not what he said. I mean, he, he said that, but it was not a greeting. It was peace, shalom over the storm and the storm quieted. Remember when Jesus uh, sent the, the 12 disciples out? And he said, you, when you go, some will welcome you, some will honor you, some will not, some will receive you. And the ones who receive you, uh, place your peace upon them. It was not a, it was not a greeting. May, may your peace rest upon them. So peace is something that's, that's tangible. You can't see it in one sense, but you can see it. You can feel it. So it's the, say it again, it's the destruction of the anarchy of fear and anxiety. I want to, I'm a very visual guy. Part of it is I'm just kind of a common folk guy here. So Jojo, I, I already promised you um, I'm going to give this one to you. Can you come on up here? You look good, man. Dave, can you come up here? Ryder, come on up with your dad, man. I was going to get Eric, but he's got shorts on, man. I, I, 33 degrees outside. I don't want to see him do with no shorts on up here, man. It's like, all right, I'm going to let you be fear. And you'd be excited. I didn't get, the only one I gave warning to is Joe here. And this is real simple. Here's the picture. All right? You see what they are. This is peace. Jesus gives us peace. Joe, Joe, you're packed with peace. Okay? Now, these guys don't have this. Okay, so don't, don't, don't go out. I picked them because, no, that's not, not at all. They just happen to be up close. Now, next time I preach, nobody's going to be up close. I got you. So they, they represent anxiety. They represent fear. They're, they're carrying this. They're walking in this. They're partnering with this. They're fellowshipping with this. This is part of who they are. But all of a sudden, truth comes in and sets and reigns peace here. And so what happens is you guys kind of like, be like bowling ball. You don't have to fall. But peace comes and see, they, 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 they're, they're no match. Okay, they're, they're no match. You, you're the bigger one. You are like a bowling ball, dude, man. Yeah, you got me? Yeah. Does this make sense? And I want to explain it more and go into depth, but I want you to keep seeing this in your mind over and over and over because I'm telling you, fear and anxiety is going to, going to come your way every day. It's going to come your way. The question is, which one are you going to receive? You can't walk in this and that. You guys did a great job. Yeah. Just set it over there. I'm going to need it for the next service. Don't give anybody any warnings, okay? Look what it says over in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. It says, for God is not a God of what? Confusion. But of what? 
of peace. The word confusion there means anarchy. It means uh, tumult. That's what it means. So God is saying, I'm I'm not a God of this fear. I'm not a God of this anxiety. I'm not a God of this this anarchy that causes it. That's not who who I am. And so as a Christian, guess what? This God that says that's not who I am lives within you. And when you're walking in right alignment with him, you can walk in perfect peace. So we understand what it is. Second thing I want you to see is that that's the definition. But peace is a process. It's a process. This is where so many people get left behind. The reason why many Christians, and I'm, I'm, I'm convinced majority of Christians, walk in anxiety, fear, anger, unforgiveness, just kind of normal. It may not be a nine out of ten, it may not be a ten out of ten, but it, it's it's in there. They're walking in it, and, and and we shouldn't. It's because we don't want to get involved in the process of it. So you have to decide: what do I hunger for? Do I hunger for peace, or do I hunger for peace? I mean, anxiety and worry. Once you make that decision, you'll then you'll determine whether I'm going to do the process. Let's go back to John chapter twenty. He just said, peace be with you. Over in John 14, 27, he says, peace I, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. So it's something God gives. It's something he gives. It's something we have to receive. It's something we have to get in alignment with. But what it says in verse 20, he says, when he had said this, he showed, him, showed them his hands and his side. What's he doing here? He's, saying, he's showing them the truth. Remember, they, they had denied him. They run from him at the, at the cross, and, and, and they'd seen him beaten brutally. They, you couldn't even recognize him. He was so beat up and scarred, and, and every way, well, scarred yet, but, but blood coming from him. He's on, he's on the cross. He, he's in a tomb. He's coming. He's going, guys, look, 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 look. Here's the truth, which is a part of the process. So let's see what this truth of what he says happens here. It says, then, then the disciples were what? What were they? What does it say up there? They were glad, three of you. Okay? The rest of you who are glad, let's say this. What were they? They were glad when they saw the Lord. I, I can't imagine they were glad. Like, what am I, if, if, if he didn't show up and he didn't show all this, what would happen? So it says he was they were glad because he gave truth. It's, it's, it, Jesus knew it's a process. Now, I don't know why he did it the way he did it. I, I don't know why he didn't immediately, when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, just right off the bat, hey, I'm Jesus. He, he allowed her to process. She was, she was crying and sad and thought he was the gardener and everything. And, and finally, when he says for a certain way, because see, there's, it was, we know at least there were four Marys that followed Christ in his closeness. And for some reason, maybe she just, he just said it a different way. Mary, wow, I, I know that voice. That's, you're Jesus. Wow. She, remember, she starts clinging to him. Look what it says over in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. So peace is a process. This is what it says here. And let the peace of Christ. Whose peace are we talking about? Let's look at the words here. And let whose peace? The peace of Christ. Would we all agree that he had unbelievable peace even on the cross? No matter what, he had peace. It says, and let the peace of Christ, not John's 
not Mark's, not JoJo, not Dave's, not Ryder's. It's the peace of Christ. Rule. Be the umpire. Lead. Referee. Whatever. It says, let that rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Now, if I were to stop there, you'd go, okay, that's part of the process. You, you've got to determine that's part of the process. Am I going to allow his peace to rule? Or am I going, you know what, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, you do what you want to do, eventually, I promise you, anxiety will come. Mistakes will come. Let's read the second part of that verse. Here's the key. Let the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What that word dwell means to, to lavishly. It means take, take the word of God and roll out the red carpet for it. Roll out the red carpet. Put, put the word of God as priority in your life. Not just come to church and hear it every once in a while, but I mean get up every day, place it into your heart, into your mind, then trust it. You know, we look at peace here. It's a process. But when you look at peace, most of us think peace is a noun. It is, but it begins with a verb. Peace is action. Go back to the picture again. What did peace do to anxiety and fear? It, action. It mowed it over. And so what happens is when, when shalom is working, peace is working, and we're allowing the peace of Christ to rule and reign in our heart, it's moving, it's, it's destroying the anarchy of the fear and the anger and the worry and all that. Then what happens to that verb process, then you get to the noun. We go, oh, wow, this peace of Christ. This is so good. This is so good. One of the things that, because of my upbringing, I didn't grow up in church, and we didn't have peace in our house, trust me. And uh, it was totally the opposite. And I, after I became a Christian, I said, Lord, I, I don't know, I don't like what I grew up in. I, I, don't, I, I didn't dislike my parents. I just didn't, I didn't, I disliked the crazy lifestyle that we had. And I determined peace is going to rule and reign in, in my life and in my family. And you can ask my kids to this day, uh, we, there's a lot of things we didn't do perfect, but there was something, that, that's one thing we just said, peace will rule in this house. And if you don't want to let it rule, there's the door. And we only had to have that conversation, not very often at all. And no kid ever left, okay? <laughs> but I gave him a choice a couple of times. So you know what? I'm paying for this house. I'm the dad of this house. I'm the authority of this house. And we're going we're gonna to live in peace. And to this day, you can come to our house and even our garage door, the sweet lady painted it, says shalom on our door. And we live in shalom. Now, I may not preach very well. I may not lead very well. I may not do a lot of things very well, you know, but I do know this. I, I walk in peace. So one of the things that we teach you how to do is in our foundations, and we're going to be having one in January, February. Mark and I were talking about the other day. We've, we've amped it up even more. Say, hey, guys, you've got to learn how to get Scripture in your mind. I, I, I dropped, this is, this is an index card that I have, that I have a ton of verses. I'm not going to tell you how many. And if you ask how many, I'm not going to tell you because I don't ever want to get, be tempted to be puffed up. Oh, I know this many verses. But I work on these, I work on these. There's truth. I memorize the Scripture. I've got truth. 
I can quote the truth. But, you know, it's one thing, because, see, I want to be able to quote it. That way, then when, when something comes against me, I want to be able to empower it by the Holy Spirit so now I can walk in it. Amen? And if peace is not coming, I'm, going, I'm not doing something right. I'm just quoting something, but, you know, peace is a messenger. Anger is a messenger. It, it tells you, you know, what, what's happening. But I want to encourage you to be a part of it when we come. Second thing, peace will hold you in place as God moves you forward. I'll say this again. Peace will hold you in place. Boy, do we not need that in our country? I hope you're taking notes because, see, if you want our nation to be peaceful, you need to learn this walk and this help others. Okay? I'm just telling you, or your neighborhood's going to get bad. Okay? Some of you go, my neighborhood's already bad. Well, most neighborhoods are. But if you want it to get bad in a good way, (laughs) a couple of you knew what I meant. Then you need to walk in this and say, hey, when people come in, you go, how do you, how do you stay so peaceful in the midst of all this craziness? Well, I'll tell you. You can whip this thing up. And so peace will hold you together, hold you in place as God moves you forward. See, God didn't, Jesus didn't put three and a half years in these guys so they can hide in a, in a, in a locked doors. We, 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 we eventually know what happens. These guys turn the world upside down. Why? Because they received the peace of Jesus. They received his Peace. Look what it says in Ephesians 6.15. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. It's, it's spiritual warfare. And, and uh, every time you see peace mentioned with a body part or anything like that uh, in Scripture, it's always feet. Your feet. Okay, feet are important, right? And, and uh, uh, so look what it says in verse 15. It says, and as shoes, shoes for your feet, having put on what? Underline this word readiness, some translations preparation, given by the gospel of peace. What he's saying here is this. A soldier has to eventually, you know, you can't just put the helmet of salvation on, the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and so on. You've got to eventually put the shoes on. And the shoes are very important in warfare for a soldier and and. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul's writing, it's going, hey, put these shoes on, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news of peace, but there's a process to it. I'll go back again. If you don't do the process, if you don't do the work, and I have people all the time say, well, I can't do that, I don't have time to do that. Yes, you do. You've got 24 hours, and God figured that's enough for you. Or he'd have given you 28 hours, all right? You got enough time to do this, but you got to work it. You got to be in the, you got to be in the scripture and you got to fellowship with God and get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to speak about this uh, February, what, when's the next time I'm speaking here? February 5th? I want you to be here February 5th because I'm going to talk about what I, God has been showing me about some storms coming. I've been preparing. And I'm not talking about, hey, I'm going out and buying extra groceries, and I'm not against all that, but I'm just saying, I'm, I'm talking about spiritually. Is that we, we need to prepare. We, we need to get in this process. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. I love this verse. It says, and the peace of God. There we go again, the peace of God. And the peace of God which surpasses. It means it's immeasurable, it's unfathomable. You can't put a ruler or tape measure on this, this peace that God has 
surpasses all understanding, what will it do? It will guard your heart. It will guard your heart. The peace of God will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look at what it says back in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And we're going to look at verse 21. It says, hey, he had shown them this. They were glad. Then Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Through all this, he says it several times, but this is the second time. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, we know he hangs around about, what, 39 more days and helps and teaches and coaches them. And then we see what happens. Man, they are sent. See, you know what? God has sent me and you to move forward. I want to ask you a hard question. I've been praying for you on this one. What doors are you hiding behind that's keeping you from being the influencer that he wants you to be. He said, I don't think I'm hiding behind anything. Okay, I'll ask you a harder question. Who have you shared the gospel with in the last, we'll go a month. I haven't shared. Well, why not? We could be behind the door of fear. Maybe whatever. I don't know what it is. I'm not here to beat you up. Okay, I'm here to stir you up. That's what Hebrew says. I'm going to stir you up. We need to move forward. We can't be intimidated by what the world says. They may be smarter than we are, but we ought to be wiser. Amen? We should be wiser. So here's what I think can hold some of us up. It could be unforgiveness. You know, if, you, if you're holding in unforgiveness, listening to the enemy lie to you and give you all this rationalization. Well, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. It's not about them deserving it. It's about you being released. You, you will never walk in the fullness of God's peace if you've got unforgiveness towards someone. Just tell you, you're not going to get there. You can get some peace, but you, you're not going to get the peace that surpasses all understanding. You're not going to walk in it. I don't know about you, but I want, I want to walk in more than I'm walking in. And so I, I choose to lay aside unforgiveness. I choose not to be angry in sin. I, I choose not to walk in anxiety. I choose. And the way we do that is you have to get in the process of personally doing that. But to have peace, it begins with this. Peace can't, can't begin until you have a relationship with God. Until you have a relationship with God. Look what it says in Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified, that means been made right with God, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How much of that is, is you? Matter of fact, if you really look at, look at it and break it down, none of it. Even faith you can't even get on your own. God gave you the faith. The Spirit of God gave you the faith. It means Jesus did the work. So peace this way should lead to peace this way. All right, what time is it? It's 10.03. We're going to get you out a little bit late. That's normal for me. <laughs> okay? Because, see, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to walk out and go, yeah, that was all good. Because you know what? It was good. It was good. Amen? It was good. Was that not good? I didn't say I was good. didn't say I presented it good. But I'm telling you, that was good. Because it's right out of God's word. It's good. It's truth. And the truth will set you free. But here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to walk out and go, oh, that was good stuff. But what did I do with it? See, there's some of you right now that you need to get rid of some things. You know? 
First Peter says that we're to cast all, 5.8, we cast all our anxieties on him. Some of you right now, you're carrying some anxiety. Some of it's Christmas anxiety. Isn't that ridiculous? That's one of the things I don't like about this Americanized Western culture Christmas. We, we made it like, where's Jesus in it? We've got to find a balance to do both, I guess. <laughs> okay. You've got some anxiety. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to exercise this. Confess any anxiety that you have right now. Just confess it to God. Say, God, I confess right now. I have anxiety over this issue. Just do it silently. And you got to do it fast because I'm, I'm over time. All right? Mark will be docking me pay-wise this week. <laughs> okay? So cast whatever anxiety you have. Amen? I know you got some. So just say, Lord, I give you this. It could be about a relationship. It could be about whatever it is. Whatever anxiety, give it to him. Cast it to him. Hurl it on him. Give it to him. And say, God, I give this to you. I ask you to forgive me for carrying it. Let's be good sheep, okay? Good sheep know what to carry and what not to carry. Let's be good church sheep. There's something you carry that's weighing you down with anxiety or fear. Give it to him right now, okay? Just give it to him. I said, well, God, I give it to you. I confess I've been carrying it. I give it to you, and right now I receive your peace. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I'm telling you, if you just did that, you just received some peace. It's not, this, it's not rocket science, guys. It's just when you look and you say, I'm carrying something I shouldn't be carrying, give it to him. Trust him with it. Amen. Father God, we thank you that... that We don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in anxiety. I thank you for the truth of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here's an example. When anxiety or anxious comes my way, I just say, Holy Spirit. Listen to what I said. It's in your train. Holy Spirit, with your help, based upon the truth found in Matthew 6, 25, I will not be anxious today about anything. Do you hear what I just said? Holy Spirit, with your help, based upon the truth in Matthew 6, 25, I will not be anxious about anything today. And if it starts coming my way, all I have to do is go, you know what? Holy Spirit within me reminds me, you're going to trust me? You know that verse that Jesus said, therefore do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, what you drink, nor your body, what you put on it. See how simple it is? Ooh, man. Amen. God is good. Let's worship the Lord who sets us free. We walk in his shalom.